Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsborough Football Club. And before we start this week, if you haven't listened to our podcast with Dean Whitehead's Get on it after this podcast. Um, it was great to speak with Dino. You've probably had more time to listen to this podcast, so you should be listening to it by now, or you should have listened to it by now. Um, when we chatted about his career at Oxford, Sunderland, Boris Stork, Huddersfield, and his coaching career as well, it's a really good conversation. We really enjoyed uh, chatting about it. But let's chat about the Boring. Well, we've got lots to chat about since we gave, didn't give you a podcast on, on Sunday. Uh, Boer have made a back-to-back wins uh, this week with home wins against Stoke and Preston North End. And it was the first time I've done that since December of last year. And Middlesbrough are now cutting the playoff point deficit to six points. Now, I appreciate Barnes have a game on hand, but it's the hope that kills you. Um, but I want to chat about Stoke first, guys, because we haven't chatted about it uh, already. And then we'll move on to Preston. We'll chat about the debate as well. We've got to, and we'll look ahead to Millwall as well. So, Dana, um, a really good performance against Stoke on Saturday. A good win. Um, how would you rate Borough's performance against Stoke? Would you say it was uh, pretty successful? Yeah, I think we were good value for the win. I mean, we didn't start particularly well. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't the the fastest of starts, but you know, once we got into the game and once Neil Warnock changed the system and the formation, I thought we had a, a lot better fortune. And then from there on in, we we dominated the game. So, yeah, it was a it was a good performance after the first 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, we deserved the win. We deserved the three points. Yeah, Tom, would you would you agree? Do you think Millsborough were a good value for money on Saturday? Yeah, we absolutely deserve the the three points. Uh, you know, we created some good good chances. Um, I can't remember them have any, uh, having too many clear cut chances. Um, you know, they hit the post by accident in the first few minutes, and uh, Bettinelli was was equal to, to anything else they they created. I will say it wasn't the most entertaining game in the world to uh, watch, which sounds weird saying that about a three 0 win. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we, we had to kind of soak up a lot of pressure in the in the second half, and let's talk have a lot of the ball. Um, then obviously hit them on the break for the third. But you know, you kind of always it was if it's between three points and entertaining football, you're going to take the three points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been some Karanka masterclasses in the past where we didn't have a touch of the ball and still won one nil. So you can. Uh... You, ne- you never know. You never know, but you, can ha- you can't have it all. But in terms of the game on on on, on Saturday, Tom, um, Warnock made a slight change in formation and he moved McNair to midfield to nullify John Alden McCall. Um, do you think it was a successful successful tweak in formation? Cause yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Before Because before McNair moved into a centre midfield, you, you could see a lot of uh, McKell. Uh, you could see him in- influencing the player, but as soon as McNair moved there, you never noticed he was even on the pitch again, uh, other than when he was making kind of a, a foul that didn't need to be made or uh, kind of giving the ball away. And then you instantly start thinking, is this the same Mikel that played for us? Because he, he would have never done that. Um, but yeah, moving McNair into centre midfield absolutely nullified him. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you take him out of the game, you're taking a, a massive part of uh, Stokes midfield out of the game, I think. Yeah, to be fair, with John McKelly, he's an absolute Rolls Royce midfielder. If he's ever got space, him or Joe Allen, I think they're going to dominate teams. And I feel like Stoke have been found out to some extent because teams are starting to put men on, on, on those type of players, trying to nullify the midfield. And that's how people are to get results from them. And I'm glad that Warnock made the tweak as well. But let's chat about the first goal, Tom. Um, Grant Hall opened the score and he's now the free scoring centre-back that we've always wanted. Um, he scored more goals than Aidan Flint did in his entire Borough career and he's been injured for the last five months. So, um, do you think he's a, a player that is going under the radar a little bit now? And are we trying? Are we starting to see the player that we thought we we were going to see when Neil Warnock brought him in? Um, I mean, when we tried to record this on Sunday, I'm pretty sure I had uh, a different answer than than what I think now. But I think he's proved it over the last two games, uh, in particular, even if not the the couple before that, that he's 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 quite a consistent uh, centre defender, which is obviously what Warnock wanted in the summer. Um, I mean, yesterday he had a, a couple of runs into midfields that I've not seen from him before. I, I was kind of dreading it a bit, like. You know, that, that feeling when like Ayali used to pick up the ball at centre back and run to right wing. I was like, Oh god, it's gonna happen again. But uh no, he, he seemed really, really good and comfortable with the the ball at his feet. He's he's scoring off set pieces now. Um gotta give a bit of credit to Tuba Rackbomb as well for that uh that corner because uh Warnock had actually said after after the game they've been practicing on the training grounds, him flicking along with his head. Uh he did have to get into the right position and kind of flick that on to, to Hall for the finish. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good that we've uh, we've got a centre back scoring from set pieces now. I'm pretty sure we're uh, the last couple of goals he scored are uh, kind of what we we wanted all season from Aidan Flint that we never got. Yeah, well, it wasn't hard to beat Aidan Flint's goal scoring record for Borough, was it? But it's uh, it's nice <laughs> to see it's nice to see him do it now. But Dana, there was a trend in in Borough's play, and it's been a trend all season. It was a trend last night. It was also uh, a trend that we had on Saturday. And it's around what crossing. Um, the thing is, a borough they try and get the ball out wide on the counter attack, get the ball in the box as much as they possibly can. On on Saturday, they had one successful cross all game. They did score from it, um, and that was from the set piece. Apart from that, it didn't look effective. Originally, the start I had on Saturday was seven hundred eighty-two crosses. It's now just under eight hundred. Um, 
So, given if we scored every single goal from a cross and of the 800 crosses, we'd have a, a conversion rate of 0.56, right, from crosses. Um, given it's a lot lower than that, um, but given that we've scored two goals from crosses in the last few games, we can kind of slowly say it's more effective. But do you think Borough should look to change the way they approach the play, approach the forward play going forward? Because it doesn't seem to be as effective as, as you'd want it to be. Yeah, but I think it's easy to get trapped by that um, sort of stat about boys um, inaccurate crosses because inaccurate crosses is does that mean the cross is bad or does that mean that the forward hasn't gambled or hasn't opened himself up to receiving the cross in a good space? That's what I my question would be to that. Uh, I mean, I do think we've spoken about it a couple of times this season about the lack of movement um, in the box. I think that's what we need to address. Yes, there's sometimes the, the crosses are wayward and, you know, they fly out the other side of the um, <laughs> the stadium. But, you know, we I think we've, we do have some decent crosses of the ball. And what I noticed yesterday in the game against Preston is that now we have pace, we have trickery down the wings. So I think just, again, something that I've said all, all throughout the season, just that little bit of refinement in the final third would be welcome. But um, one thing that I do think sometimes is we don't tend to go low from crosses and I do think that that's probably the avenue that we need to take because we don't have a target man you know we don't have a Kiefer Moore in the box that obviously Neil Warnock wanted Kiefer Moore um, so I think that the best avenue for us is to go play the ball along the floor cut it back but again that requires a movement and we don't quite have that yet um, and that's that I think is where we need to improve more than the crosses for me. Yeah, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. I just think of teams like Stoke and uh, Cardiff where you get the ball on the deck, you're playing the through ball and you're trying that low cross. It creates so many problems. And for Boris, centre-forwards, appreciate we're probably not going to play Brit as much now with him growing out of contract. Fletch could be the same as well when he's returning back to fitness. And Warnock, like we've seen with Ryan Shotton and Clayton, if they're not wanted and they're on that contract, we might not play them. Uh, so... Mm. With, with us having Chub Rackpom there and he's not really a hold-the-ball-up type uh, centre-forward, I feel like it makes sense for Borough to get the ball on the deck, try and play the through ball and see if we can get teams on the counter-attack. We've got Because we've got Pace now, we've got Cabano, we've got Balassi, Mendes-Lang, um, Duncan Watmore as well, uh, Neymar, and obviously if we want to play Tav there too, we, we, we do have options, Don, so it's... It makes absolute sense for us to probably go down that route, and we did score two through uh, two goals from a through ball on, on the counter attack uh, against Stoke. And I want to chat about Sam Morsey a little bit, Dana, because he it was his fifth assist of the season um, for the third goal for, for Mendes Lang, and it put him joint top in the assist charts. Um, so originally, I know I'll kind of I'll probably want to tweak the question a little bit, but Sam Morsey had a slow start to his Millsborough career. Would you think he's completely turned it around? He's firing from all cylinders and he's probably one of Borough's best players now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was a bit sceptical of him playing in that number eight position because I know it's not his preferred position and people will say, well, he's still playing in midfield, but it's a different role. You have to get forward. He has to be more advanced. And I don't know whether it's uncharted territory for him because I'll have to look at where he played at you know, um, his previous clubs, but... I think him playing in that position, I think we need to commend him a little bit because we've seen midfielders in the past 
the midfielders that we've got now, Johnny House and George Savile, Paddy McNair, they've played in different positions. We've seen Paddy McNair play number 10. We've seen George Savile play number six. We've seen Johnny House and play a little bit further forward. Um, and they've struggled and they've all come under quite heavy criticism because of that. And their performances have shown that they're not being played in their favoured role. And Sam Morsey isn't being played in his favoured role. He even said that in a talk with the fans a couple of weeks ago. But he's doing a really good job for the team and he's adding final ball to his game and, you know, five assists this season. Um, probably could be more. Um, you know, I look back at that Derby game. That was the one that caught me cold because I was looking at it thinking that he was struggling. He was our most advanced midfielder in that game and it just wasn't working. But that's probably the only stain on his recent games, I think, because he has been really good. And I mean, he, I asked for a shithouse yesterday, uh, the last podcast. And I mean, fair play, fair play Sam Morsey is a shithouse. He is shithousery FC, uh, Sam Morsey. And we'll come on to him a little bit more when I chat about his red card, because I want to hear your thoughts on the Borough shithouse. Um, but Tom, we'll chat about Mendes Lang and... At the end, he, he scored a delightful chip. Um, it was so, He needed so much sauce for that because it was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, it was a great way to round off the win. And it was the first bit of quality that we've actually seen from Mendes Lang because, you know, he hasn't really been as fit and he's totally getting back to, to full match um, conditioning. Uh, do you think... It, it might be too early to tell, of course, but can you see him in a Boris shirt next season? And Do you think it would be a, a good addition to, to keep him on next year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he's shown glimpses of, of what he can do. Um, I'm going to be controversial as well and say it's it's not even sauce on that chip. It was salt and vinegar, which I would put at a level above sauce. But uh, um, yeah, I think he, you can tell he's he's kind what? of. Uh, <laughs> I can't. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, sauce isn't what you put on your chips. You put salt and vinegar on your chips. <laughs> Dear me. Dear me. Um, I'm not. I'm, well, I'm I agree, sure. I'm I agree sure people will back me up here, but <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I agree with you, but you you need some sort of sauce there. Like, I can't. I can't. If look, Dan has chips and curry out of the game every single mm-hmm. week. You need. You need some sort of sauce. Can't have a dry chip. Well, that's what you put the vinegar on it for. Yeah, but vinegar's not a, a condiment. Right, anyway, right. I feel like we're sorry, a bit off track sorry. here. But... <laughs> Mendes, <laughs> Mendes Lang, um, <laughs> Mendes Lang, real quality next season. We'd like to see him in a Borussia shirt. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you can tell at the moment he's been out of match practice for, for what was it, six months. Uh, he's shown glimpses uh, of quality. Warnock said he he looks like he's trying too hard uh, at times uh, to prove himself, and Warnock already knows what he can do. Personally, I think with a full pre-season behind him and a few more uh, games this season, a little bit more game time, uh, he, he could be pretty vital for us next season. We we know what he can do in the league. We've seen him play against us and do that against us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we, we need wide options going into next season. He's going to be out of contract. Let's see if we can renew him the same way as, uh, as Watmore. Yeah, I'd also like us to see if we can get Yannick Balassi too, because I feel like he's slowly becoming a cult hero on T side with you know the shirts, the engagement, the skills. Obviously, we brought the sweep back as well, and you know with the assist as well, it, he's slowly getting back to match fitness. But whether we can keep him on and the wages that he he may want, I, I can I don't know. I think it might be a little bit unrealistic, but 
if we can, then it's absolutely great. I think Boris should absolutely try and get him on board for one more season. He really does add a little bit more quality. So does Mendes Lang as well. He's he's a championship proven winger, and we probably need that too. He probably won't want a, a big wage because of what's happened, and he's slowly getting back to fitness. Um, he's not having the vinegar on his chips, though, so it's uh, he might be in a, in, a, in a great place next year. So um, you you never know. But I want to chat about um, Preston, and we'll and we'll move on to it now. And it was nothing short of an eventful game, really, yesterday, because we had two red cards, obviously manager and player for, for Preston. An own goal, Borough got three points, we scored off a header again, and things just all seem a little bit rosy. Um, and it's killing me a little bit, because I feel like once I think the playoffs are done, we'll go and pull out back-to-back wins, and I'd be like, Ah well, if we get four, if we get you know some good points against Millwall, Bournemouth, uh, Watford, and Barnsley, it's back on again. And then I'm just like, I'm absolutely sick of, I'm just sick of the hope. You know, I said on mm-hmm. BCTs that it was over. I'm gonna stick by it. And I think Rob, <laughs> Rob Law said to me that he's uh, he's gonna get that recording back up and play it back to me if uh, we get the playoffs. So. You know, I'm not going to get a title. I don't mean there's like a title on the line now. It's like broadcast <laughs> embarrassment. Like maybe I just need to show up, I think. I might just have to show up. But anyway, um, the game against Preston and Stoke had a very similar, uh, had a lot of similarities in that first 20 minutes. Um, Boris started off slow re- again, Dana. And it's something that I'm starting to see a bit of a trend in because, you know, I'm thinking of Coventry, Cardiff, um, I'm also thinking about Stoke, Preston, North End. There's been quite a, a well, Birmingham as well, if you want to do the, the against Eitel's team twice. Obviously, Eitel's just left now. Well, goodbye, Eitel. Um, but in, <laughs> in terms of in terms of those games, like, Borough have started off really, really slow in those games. Why do you think that is? Do you think, yeah, well, why, why do you think Neil Wonk's teams have been quite slow so far? God knows. I think maybe it's um, a case of them just feeling the opposition system out, maybe. I know we have chopped and changed a bit this season and we've played multiple different formations maybe it's just a case of trying to see whether the formation that we're currently going into the game with suits us because I know that Neil Warnock obviously went into the Stoke game with the 3-5-2 it wasn't working quite clearly and um, you know we we had to switch it so I think the, the slow start for the Stoke game is probably attributed to that system the formation but all across the board it is a bit of a head scratcher um because I mean if you was talking about this last season you could probably say confidence but Borough are higher up at the table now so I don't think it is a case of confidence maybe it's just maybe it's just the system and, and the personnel maybe it's a maybe it's a tactic maybe it's just where we you know how we've mentioned before where we could we'll try to contain teams and then hit them on the counter-attack maybe it's just that tactic that isn't quite working at the, at the beginning of the games but I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a theme of our season. Neil Warnock hasn't seemed to have uh, patched it over yet. So it's probably a head scratcher for him as well. But I, I would say that um, for the Stoke game in particular, it was a case of Borough trying to feel out the opposition. And um, unfortunately, then the system didn't work, but it did obviously bring about the the, the switch and then the subsequent um, change of fortunes. Are you not worried a little bit then that the slow starts are going to have an incremental part in Borough's probably in run, Borough's running because if if Borough do start slowing games and they go one or two behind, we don't really look like a team that can claw those results back in our favour. Do you think that is something that we probably need to attend to quite quickly as well, especially in the probably pre-season next year? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think there was a stat on Sky Sports that said that we are actually one of the best teams in terms of picking up points from losing positions. And I have noticed that this season, that we seem to be better placed than in previous seasons where we've gone 1-0 down and we look completely done in terms of confidence. Like our confidence looks completely shot. That's an improvement that I've noticed this season. But I do I, I do still agree with your statement. I'm not 100% confident in us turning the result around. It will show the, the difference in quality when we come up against the teams like, you know, Bournemouth and, and Watford and, and even Barnsley. Um, not Barnsley, uh, but teams that are sort of up there um, in and around us, maybe even Millwall on Saturday because, you know, they're a team that are difficult to beat. So, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a worry. Um, you know, concentration levels maybe uh, at the beginning of the games are not quite up to scratch. How you change that around, I'm, I'm not sure because Neil Warnock is a, a great motivator, um, a great man manager. So I don't know, maybe it's just the inexperience in our team, the lack of leaders. I do think that we still we still lack leaders and I won't be surprised actually to see Grant Hall be the captain next season because I do think he brings a, a calmness to the team. We just need more Grant Halls, really. We need more uh, vocality in the team. We need more, just more leadership. I tell you what, we wouldn't be a fast team if you were in charge. We, you know what I mean? We'd have all Grant Halls, all Sam Morsies. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> just, it'd be really slow, wouldn't we? Like it'd be like shit house FC, but it'd be uh, it'd be really slow. <laughs> no, you, you got to get that in. You got to get that slight injection of pace up front, but not too much. You don't want to go overboard with it. I don't know who we can re- who can replace Sam Marzi with Sam Marzi or Grant All up top. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's gonna be quite it's gonna be quite difficult from that front. But in terms of Sam Marzi, eventful again from the Borussia House Tom and red cards. Should he should he have seen one? I don't know. I think if it wasn't for the the kick out from Brown, I think that could have been a yellow card for both incidents. For me, it just seemed like they both got tangled with each other and they were both kind of having a go. Um, but one took it slightly too far and kicked out. Um, personally, I, I'm surprised he wasn't yellow carded at least. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of those things where you see it on the pitch. You think both players are doing it, both of them get a yellow card. But yeah, it was it was because Brown took it one step too far. He got the red, and and Marcy kind of got off scot free. Could you can you see why uh, Alex Neil was a, a little bit frustrated with the decision? Uh, because go on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, Mar- Marcy did uh, did kind of provoke uh, Brown into doing it. Um, but also, I'll never forgive Alex Neil for that playoff final. So <laughs> we're not over it. We're not over it. I'm absolutely not over it. I still think, I still think of Vossen's miss. Every, every night before I go to bed, I just I cry a little bit because we just uh, I suppose it went in. I wake up sometimes screaming, kick it out, thinking about Ayala. Oh, don't turn, don't turn, don't turn. Cry for telling your box. I was like, why? I, I, thanks, Tom. You absolutely ruined me. Cheers, Tom. Sun's crying. Nice one. Um, <laughs> but was 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 Neil Warnock right to to take um, to take Marzi off in the end, Tom? Do you think it was a, a case of hot head from the from the shit house? I, I suppose only the the dressing room will know. Really, I think uh, I, I was listening to BBC TV uh, last night after the game, and um, Maddo was saying, you know. We, they were probably going to try and wind him up for the entire second half and try and kick lumps out with every chance they got. So, I mean, it, it did pay off pretty much instantly with with Tav scoring that goal and and Tav looked really positive when he came on. So, yeah, I think Morsi can probably look back at that first half being subbed off and just think, yeah, job done. So, 
I tell you what, he loves a flailing arm, does Mozzie. That's that's his special move, isn't it? It's just this <laughs> this flailing arm. Gotta love it yeah. though. Fly, flying arm from the top rope or something. <laughs> <laughs> can do we, we, <laughs> we, we can we can definitely photoshop that in and i feel like i do the rounds oh, 100%. but um i want to chat about paddy mcnair real quick uh Dana, because he yeah. went off injured he went off injured last night appreciate international duties coming up um do you think it, it actually is an injury or do you think that uh <clears throat> do you think that borough trying to get him not to go away with with the with the northern ireland Oh, I would love that. I would love that. How great would that be just to get one over on um, Ian Berkle for that time? He, he just, yeah. I still don't get why he did that, where um, he played him in three successive games and the only time that he came up was when he got cramp. Yeah. I mean, that was that was ridiculous, that was. So I think it would be it would be top shit housery from Bora to essentially say, nah, you're not having him. He's injured and he's just sort of chilling in his uh, bedroom watching Gogglebox or something. But... <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's nothing serious. I know that Neil Warnock was a little bit unsure on it. Um, after the game, he said that it was a problem at the front of his knee on his kneecap. So hopefully hopefully it's not um, anything too serious because he has been a really important player for us. And we're just starting to see him now come into midfield and dictate the game from the middle of the park, which is something that a lot of Borough fans have wanted, particularly of late. So, yeah, hopefully it's it's nothing serious and... Um, but hopefully it's just that little bit serious enough for him to not go on it national duty. So, you know, we could be selfish like that. <laughs> it's like, it's like trying to get, uh, try and put on a voice on, uh, see you too ill to go to school. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Forge your parents' signature to get out of PE. Yeah. Hi, hi Ian. It's, it's, um, it's, it's Paddy's dad. This is Neil Warnock putting like a, like a voice in. <laughs> Sorry. You can't, you can't make, you can't, you can't make it at national duty this week. Um, but, how much think of a miss do you think Paddy McNair will be? Because Grant Hall's doing tremendously well at centre half with with Dale Fry now. Um, Tavernier can come back in the team and probably replace him in midfield. So do you think he's going to be that much of a miss if he was to miss the game against Millwall and and beyond? Maybe. I think he will be because he's been an important player for us at the majority of this season. It's good that we do have the depth now and we do have players that can fill in the positions, but. Paddy McNair is a mainstay in that side. I think whenever he is fit, he has to play. He has to play, and I do think he'll he will be a miss. Obviously, Tav coming back is is a massive plus. I think we saw yesterday the impact that he has and how key of a player he's become. He's just that funnel in the in, in the midfield that just it's just again you know somebody that can connect the midfield to the attack and you know he's he's a threat. So good that Tav's back. Um, it's actually good time and actually for McNair to get an injury because of Tav's return obviously it's not um ideal generally speaking that McNair's got an injury but like I said fingers crossed it's it's okay he didn't seem in too much pain like he wasn't limping when he came off the pitch but you never know with uh, knee injuries do you no you don't and Tom with that when with Tav come back into the side say McNair's fit who do you think drops out of that side because do you drop Grant Hall he's got a good relationship with with Dale Fry there um, do you drop Morsey? Do you go for Housen? It's very difficult. Neil has got a, a problem on his hands, but who who would you look to take out to to keep Tavin? Um, or should we I'm, keep Tavin? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking maybe it, it it just depends on fitness. Um, and 
that that's only something the uh, the club and the the coaching staffs going to know. It's going to depend on how McNair is and how how Tav is even because he's just coming back from injury as well. And fair enough, he's just completed forty five minutes. But you know, if we, if we were asking for the full ninety, we could end up with a similar situation what we had with Fletcher where. He comes back for two games and then he's gone for a few games again. So for me, it's between McNair and Tav in in that spot. Um, keep keep the rest of it the same. Uh, you know, Hall and Fry have a, a good partnership at the back. Uh, you know, Blossom and by the looks of it, um, Marcy and Housen are both doing their jobs well in centre midfield. So I, I think it's just that that spot that McNair and Tav kind of have to. Uh, compete for uh, you know be, being that link between the the midfield and strikers and wingers. Yeah, and what you what you're saying there, Tom, it segues quite nicely to the debate. To be honest, because the debate for this week is um, from a question from Phil Phil uh, Gillen. He, he says, "Are we better with Paddy McNair in midfield rather than defence?" Um, and obviously, Danny Beamar as well says, "With Hall with Hall back, should Borough go back to a back four moving?" moving McNair forward into the midfield. We looked a lot better when we switched back to a four against Stork. Um, and we played quite well yesterday with McNair in midfield. But Dana, I want to throw some stats at you and we'll we'll hear your opinion and obviously yours as well, Tom. But McNair this season, um, he scored two goals this year. So he's currently fifth in, joint fifth in that uh, in the squad. He's joint first with Morsey on five assists. His pass percentage is 71%, which is third in, in, the, in the squad. Um, he's had the most crosses by a country mile. Um, he's on 162 crosses so far this season. 52 interceptions. Um, only Dyke Steele and Fry have more. Um, he's won possession more times than anyone with, with 48 times. His rating in defence is 6.92 out of 10, um, with one goal and four assists in 34 appearances. And player rating in midfield is 7.27. One goal, two assists in five appearances. So, Paddy McNair, better midfield or better in defence? I think it depends on the system. I think if you're playing a three at the back, you have to put Paddy McNair in, in defence for me. We don't have anybody else that can probably play that role in in bringing it out in, in the way that he does. And we've highlighted in previous podcasts how good it is for him to ghost into midfield and essentially add an extra dimension to where he's playing that in the middle of the park. But I think in a four... Um, I think you have to push him into midfield. We have to at least see it on a consistent basis because he's playing really well there for, for Northern Ireland in that number eight position. So he's clearly doing something right there. But what I will say is that if we do push him in midfield, he has to be playing in that number eight role. And that is a, a role that currently Sam Morsey occupies. So for me, it's between either um, Sam Morsey or... Um, or Paddy McNair, unless we play with two number eights, because I know they do that for Northern Ireland because we see George Saville and Paddy McNair playing alongside each other. But yeah, for me, he has the ability to be, you know, the the, the type of midfielder that we were talking about um, a couple of podcasts ago where they can dictate play from deep and essentially um, sort of dictate the attacking play from, from deep positions. I think Paddy McNair could be that player because he does have a really good vision and he's got a great passing ability so I would like to see him in midfield um, if we play four at the back if we play a 4-3-3 going forward but he, he has to play in that number eight position if he plays as a number 10 not good enough if he plays as a number six that's not going to happen anyway because um, <clears throat> Neil Warnock said that, that Johnny House is better in that position than him but he has to play in that number eight position otherwise 
Firmino is or just put him back in defence. Yeah, Tom, what, what what do you think? I'd agree with that. Uh, to, to be honest, I think, um, like Dan has just said, Johnny Housen is better in that number six position. And I, I feel like over the, the last few games, we've kind of seen that. Um, you know, having him there as, as the link between the, the defence and, and, and midfield. Um, I will say that there has been games this season where Paddy McNair stepped out of defence really well um, and, and, you know, um, dictated the play from from deep. But with the partnership that Hall and Fry are now developing, is it necessary to be playing free at the back? Um, you know, because they seem to have quite a good handle on things. And then if, if you're moving McNair out, he absolutely deserves to be in the team. Um, personally, I'd be I'd be playing with the the two number eights. Um, I think that's where we kind of have the more the most depth. Um, even though it is only kind of like George Savile and uh, Hayden Hackney, maybe and and Tav, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and and then if if there is a an injury uh, to House, and um, I'm sure McNair can kind of fill in that position, but. I feel like the, the last few few games it is working um, and don't change your winning system too much. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think with, with Bora, I think Bora are more suited to a three. I much prefer us in a three-four-three formation rather than a, a doing a four. I think that we don't have enough pace at the back against mm. the better quality teams. And I think when we play the likes of Bournemouth, um, and, and we play the likes of Swansea and, and so on. Like we do struggle quite a bit. Um, obviously, Brentford is another prime example. They tear us apart with pace, and it's something that we probably need to look look to in in the market uh, in in the summer. Is probably that a pacey centre half? If we weren't hoping to take McNair out of it, the only way I can see McNair probably sticking in that in that four uh, in in in, the, in midfield is if we go to a four two three one, where I think we'll probably see the best out of him if he was in a holding midfielder role with. Housen or Morsey. Um and for me, I think Housen is even though he's great, I can't see him. I can't, I can't see him playing much next season. I feel like Morsey's probably a better player to to play in that role. But look, I'm not paid to be the manager, so it's like it's it's just based on my opinion. But I think it's a it's a it's a difficult one. I think with with McNair, is he is he better in centre back or centre midfield? Based on the data. He's probably better in midfield, but I think on the eye and the way that Borough play, if he's coming from three, I think centre half is his bag. I feel like it just it just works much better for him in, in that system. I can't see anything round that. And but then also Borough as well. Borough looks so much better with a three at the back, and it, the stats pro uh, stats show that. Uh, mm. I think it's with the how many games is it Dana that we've we've lost? I think is it one or two that we've Thanks. lost. I think it'll be two, two or three now, maybe. I think, but certainly there's, you know, the statistically the three five two does bring us more more points yeah. than the the far at the back. Yeah, and I think with that, like if if we want to play wing backs with with Baller and, and Jed or with a Dykesdale or uh, a Fisher, you know, what I mean, we've got options there. So if you want to revert to a five, you've got Yannick, you've got Watmore, you've got Cabano, um, and there's Lang. You've got options in that final third as well, so you can rotate it. I would like us to be a bit more fluid in that role. I thought that Akpom, Balassi and Cabano worked really well last night. I would probably like to see more of that. I feel like they're a very, very fluid front three. I would also like to maybe see if we could go with, I don't know, like, say, Balassi, Cabano and, and, and Mendes Lang up top. 
just one game, see how we play with a false nine and see how we cope for that type and that sort of, sort of game if we're going to try and beat team on the counter attack. So it's dead interesting, but I think yeah, Panda McNair, I think defense for me. So yeah, it'll be just... interesting. Sorry, it'll be interesting to see what Neil Warnock thinks because he did come out and say that he's a um, an average midfielder, I think. But obviously, he seems to have been open to putting him in that midfield role in recent games because that's what he has done. So I wonder if his opinion is changing. Um, it's clear that you know Paddy Mitner has obviously improved tremendously since he's come to the club, and he was being played in many different positions, particularly under Tony Pulis, being played as a right wing back, for example. You're never going to get the best out of a player when you're playing them in in those types of positions. So. You know, I'd be interested to see statistically how many games in a row Paddy Mina has actually played in midfield in that sort of number eight position. Um, I kind of I'm interested by your comments, Johnny, about playing him in a, a 4-2-3-1 in a hold midfield position because I personally don't think he's a hold midfield player unless you're sort of playing him in that position, but he's still getting forward. Um, and then Housen's the one that sort of drops into that. Um very yeah, set number six. He would be a lead better in the in the Clayton and lead better. Yeah. Um. And so whilst with that in the past, lead better would get forward. He would join the attack where Clayton would just be the crab, and nothing. That's <laughs> kind of what we'd probably see with with McNair there. And he's got mm-hmm. he's got he's got the player there. He can spray a ball 30, 40 yards. He creates ch- opportunities for our centre forwards. If we're going to play with a big centre forward next year and bring Rudy Gustad back. Um, then, <laughs> then it over. It makes absolute sense to probably play that system. So, yeah, uh, boy, that's that's how I kind of see it. I think that'll probably be a good system for him to play. But if we're going to play stick at the three, then I'd rather us, I'd rather stick at, I'd rather stick at a three at the minute. But yeah, same. Who 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 am I to say? Who am I to say? Um, but that's got that's it, guys. Um, let's move on to the questions for for the. Rest upon him, we'll move on to Millwall as well. So, uh, Phil, um, from he says, Phil Riverside, it's at Phil Riverside on Twitter. Um, and he says, which has cost us more points this season? Poor finishing, poor defending, or poor refereeing out the three? Go on, That's Tom. a tough one. I think out of poor refereeing, it's at least 12 to 15 points potentially, but it, it's a lot, uh. You know, it's assuming a loss. It's it's assuming that the games weren't going to uh, end nil nil, or you know, it's always mm-hmm. hard to play against ten men, so we'd have lost that anyway, or <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> um, hey, Neil Warnock said that last night. Did he? Always hard. He to did play against ten men. He did say that last night. Um, personally, I, I'd say I, I want to say poor finishing, but I feel like it's a a little bit unfair. Um purely because we haven't been playing about strikers' strengths. Um, and I'd echo what uh, Dana said earlier, that we need to to look at playing lower crosses into the box to, to kind of play to their strengths a bit more. Um, I think we saw last night with some of the, the balls that were going into Akpom just how good his heading isn't. Um, <laughs> if we were playing that front three that you've just mentioned there, Johnny, I'd be interested to see what it's like with Balassi as that false nine, because something I have noticed is he is very good in the air from from winning the ball off goal kicks mm. and stuff. Um, he's he's got quite a, a decent leap on him. So yeah, I, I'd be interested to see if if playing those three up front, he can convert some headers. Um, but I'd say that's probably where the issue lies is uh, just being a bit too blunt up front. Mm. It, I'm excited about that front three I've uh, I've mentioned there, um, but. 
Dana, what, what do you think out the three? Yeah, off. see, I was thinking, um, I was thinking the same about who are finishing, but then I'm thinking about the, you know, the XG charts. It doesn't put us very far ahead of where we actually are already. Um, having said that, though, there was a a chance that I think was was measured very strangely. It was an open goal, and um, XG had it down as a. Oh, I can't remember what the percentage was, but um, I don't know. I think. I do still think it's a problem that lies up front for me um, in terms of poor finishing. It's been our Achilles heel for, well, since I've been supporting the club, certainly. And it's it's a problem that hasn't been ironed out really since probably the days of Viduka, Hasselbank and, you know, Yakubu. So, yeah, I think, I think finishing really. But then at the same time, you could even put goalkeeping in there. You could put poor goalkeeping in there as well, I would say. Although I think that might be a little bit um, too harsh and someone will probably delete us from their library now that I've mentioned that. But um, <laughs> no, I think I think, uh, I think think poor finishing for me. Poor finishing. Ah. Yeah, it, I, was only, like, I hate it when Warnock mourns about poor refereeing decisions because I feel like the accountability doesn't matter if it's a bad refereeing decision, you should have put the game to bed anyway. Um, you can't can't always do that, but they frustrate. Like the, the the decisions that have went against us this year have been so frustrating, um, and they've always been poor throughout the whole AFL. So, but I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. I think I'm going to go poor finish. I think we've had we create so many chances at times. The cross statistic that we put earlier, mm. like I mean, if we want to put the ball in the box as much as we do, like we need to start getting on the end of them, end of them. So. Yeah, I think I'm going to go poor finishing on that one. And then Charlie says, um, after talking about the recruitment team in one of his previous interviews, do you believe that Warnock believes in the recruitment team or do you think he's going to ask Ronnie and Kev uh, to go and scout the players they believe are best? So scouting team or, or, or Ronnie and Kev? Um, sounds like a TV show. It, I was going to say that. It sounds like a skit. Um, <laughs> no, I... I I don't know. I, I mean, if we're taking, if if nothing's changed from that interview that he had, was it, I think, in the summer where they brought him a defender and he basically said, no, you can't defend. Then he yeah. probably doesn't have trust in them, to be fair. I know that back then Sam was mentioned and in that very same article that Charlie was talking about there, Sam was mentioned again. So um, he seems to be the head of recruitment at the moment. I mean, it's clear that the recruitment team are getting things right. I'll say that. But it's also clear that they're also getting things maybe a little bit a little bit wrong because at Pom, for example, you know, bringing out Pom in when he's not the striker that whose strengths that we will play to, so he probably he probably doesn't trust them at the moment um, as well. During that article, um, he said that he would prefer to watch them in person in the flesh, and at the moment they can't do that because of COVID. So there'll be a trust issue there, but I think it's probably circumstantial. Um, Having said that, though, he will look at the team and look at the players that, that have been, um, uh, or the team that's been assembled, and think that there's something that's gone wrong there. So, or, yeah, I mean, it, it, something has to change with the re- recruitment team, but um, I do think they've got certain things right as well, which is, I think we need to sort of highlight that also. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one. Ronnie I and like Kev. A- I think Ronnie, I just, I, yeah, Ronnie and Kev are great, um, but like, do they have the time to like go and scout all these players? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, Kev's got the kitchen to do. 
Um, <laughs> I wonder if he got that done in the end. I wonder if that's still um, under construction. Probably is, isn't it? Of course he's got it done. He's a man of his word, is Kev. Um, <laughs> Just to add on to this one, um, I know I was telling you guys earlier, but I've actually uh, invested in the, the Neil Warnock autobiography audiobook, mm. which I can't recommend enough to our listeners because it's narrated by the great man himself. You get 50p um, but... off with the course. <laughs> I know it's shameless plug there, Tom. Um, <laughs> You're not sponsored but... by this audio book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, been listening to that uh, today, and there was, there was a, a big, uh, there was a whole chapter on um, how he scouts players. Um, and he tends to go to games and know within about 15 minutes if he's going to sign a player. Um, so I, I'd say. To, to go back to, to what your question was about kind of trusting the recruitment tra- uh, team or, or trusting his coaching staff, I feel like he's probably old school in the fact that he's going to lean towards him, his own eyes and his coaching staff there. Um, I think we, we saw a good example of that with with the interview uh, earlier in the season when he talked about that, uh, that defender who couldn't tackle. So I'd love to know who that actually was. But um, yeah, I, I think... Um, he, he's just going, I think he's he's quite limited at the moment with the, the pandemic going on. Um, but I, I really think he's going to trust more in himself and his coaching staff uh, based mm-hmm. on what I've, I've listened to uh, than the uh, the recruitment team at the moment. Yeah, and that defender was Ruben Diaz, who plays for Manchester City. <laughs> um, Wait, didn't, uh, he, didn't he say Sol Bamba was better than uh, Virgil van Dijk at one point? He did, yeah. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, on football manager, maybe, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he says sometimes, Warnie. Honestly, I don't. But um, come the end, next question, I've, I haven't put the name down, so forgive me on this one. But um, come the end of the season, who really, realistically do you think Borough can keep out of the, the out of contract players and the lawn players? Um, do we have any chance of signing Balassi and Cabano permanently? Um, Tom, do you want to take it? I'd, I'd hope we have a chance of uh, San and Balassi permanently. I think, um, you know, we've been kind of frozen out at Everton a little bit. He, he seems to be enjoying his football again now. Um, you know, he's, he's working under a manager that, that knows him and likes him and, and wanted to bring him in. Um, if we could potentially do a deal to bring him in, I, I hope we would. Um, Cabano, I'm not too sure on. Uh, I feel like that entirely depends on if Fulham stay up or not. Um, if Fulham go down, I fully expect to see Cabano tearing it up against us next season rather than for us. But uh, Balassi, you'd hope so. Mendes Lang, you'd, you'd hope he got an extension. And uh, also Marvin Johnson, you'd, you'd be quite surprised if he didn't get a, the extra year on his contract activated as well, I think. Yeah, I think it'd be such a strange one if we didn't give uh, Neymar an extra year. Uh, given all of his stats this year, stats this year and why he contributes going forward I think he had something extra as well going forward he has a good cross in the box as well if that's Middlesbrough's game then it absolutely makes sense for him to stay for one more year Uh, but Dana what do you think do you think Balassi Cabano uh, Fletcher you know uh, Johnson who do you think is going to stay or Bettinelli's out of contract as well if you want to keep Bettinelli going forward um yeah I think it depends I think Cabano definitely does depend on Fulham I don't think Balassi will stay, but then again, what Tom mentioned there, that he's playing under a manager that trusts him, that's you know got a, a good run of games out of him before, probably got the best out of him actually at Crystal Palace, didn't he, Warnock? So 
oh, it's an interesting one whether I suppose it depends on whether we can actually afford his wages as well because I imagine he'd be on a considerable wage packet so that one I'm thinking is kind of unlikely Cabano you know Fulham are doing pretty well all things considering I mean I sort of emailed Scott Parker as one of the first uh, managers to be sacked <laughs> this season that went well but he's been sort of slowly turning things around and they are starting to get results in and obviously Newcastle aren't could have three North northeast teams in the championship next season but Nathaniel Mendes I think will stay and I would like him to stay I think he's got a point to prove and I think that he does bring a lot to the table that we haven't quite seen yet because of his lack of match fitness so I'd like to see more from him um, Fletcher I don't know it's it's an interesting one with Fletcher because a lot of people have said sort of rip it up and start again and, and get a, a different bunch of strikers in but for me I think Fletcher has a lot to offer us and you know we've seen last season <clears throat> um, how good he was for us under Woodgate so I would keep Fletcher but I think yeah I think Cabano and and Balassi are pff, oof. yeah like I said I think Cabano depends on Fulham and Balassi is probably unlikely mm. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I'd love us to keep Alassie Cabano and Mendes Lang. Um and obviously keep Neymar as well, but I can't see us doing all of it. Uh but we'll see. I think I'll, if we put a gun in my head, I'd probably say I'd look I'd like to keep Alassie. I know Balassi's probably more of a short term deal, but I think it adds that extra quality that we need going forward. And with Cabano, he's like a he's a little bit like Traore. I would probably say Cabano is because He's very, very good going forward, but he's so inconsistent, and you don't his final his final pass just isn't really there yet. Um, I think that's what obviously makes a good player a great player if they can do those things. But um, for me, yeah, I'd probably have Balassi over Cabano, I think. Um, but that's it for the questions, Dana. Let's look ahead to Millwall Saturday um, at the Den. Are we at the Den? Yeah, we're at the Den. Uh, I have to, I have to think there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say no one likes going there, so I just try to. Um, just try to uh, blank it out. But yeah, let's pass the mic over to you. Let's break down Millwall. Yeah, so they tend to play a 5-2-3, but they played a 5-3-2 against Derby in the last game. Finished 1-0. It was their third successive 1-0 victory at Pride Park. Um, and they won that game. It was a real smash and grab. It was um, their only shot on target they scored from. So um, I think we're going to be fuming at that. But, you know, in terms of their style of play, they do like to press an out possession, but it's quite calculated, sometimes a little conservative. And I think that's how I would probably describe their style of play, actually. Um, their average possession for the season stands at 47%, the fifth lowest. Um, they've scored 35 goals this season, which is a fairly average amount. It's ranked 16th in the division. Um, they've only scored more than two goals once this season, which was against Sheffield Wednesday last month. It was a 4-1 victory. Um, and their passing average is fairly middle of the pack as well, 69.8%, which is also ranked 15th. However, um, only four teams have conceded less goals than Millwall's 33. So it's clear that defensively they're getting something right, but they're just not finding that balance between defence and attack at the moment. Um, but a key stat pattern that I actually uh, found when I was doing my research is that teams don't tend to cross much against Millwall. They rank quite low for crosses against per game. Uh, 17 is the average uh, for that. Only three teams concede less crosses. Borough won them, actually. Borough rooted bottom of the uh, division for crosses against. Um, but I think we saw in the game against them at the Riverside that they do leave gaps in behind and we have to be clever in how we exploit that. Um, get it out wide, but cut inside. I think we um, have 
Tav's goal was a perfect example of that, where he, he got it out wide. It was it actually started with Dykesdale, um, and then Tav got it and he cut inside and he scored from it. The as Tom says, the iron robber of the championship. That was the epitome of that goal. He scored that game, and so we had luck with that um, in the reverse fixture. But looking into some um, other stats, uh, no team has drawn more games in the championship than Millwall's sixteen, um, but only four teams have um, lost less than their nine. Um, so yeah, I mean. They've, they've struggled with uh, players up front this season. Matt Smith recently out injured with uh, a toe injury. Um, he'll face a spell on the sidelines. Kenneth Sahar um, has been out too with an ankle injury. So, you know, they, they haven't really had great fortunes uh, up front this season, but they do have a good defence. Like I said, they just need to find that balance between um, their good defence and sort of refining their attack. Yeah, one one big thing when you were saying there on the not many teams cross against them is just because they've got four planks of wood in centre uh, at the back. The, yeah. the big big tall centre halves. There's no point. Um, and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you're saying oh, people can get in behind them. What better way to trial the Johnny uh, forward forward line and play Balassi <laughs> Mendes lying in Cabano? Like very very quick going forward, get them on the counter attack and they'll create gaps and we should be able to get in behind. And it makes sense for us to do that, but. Whether we do it or not, I don't know. Will Borough try and play the long ball game like they've done against Cardiff and Stoke where mm-hmm. it just doesn't work? Um, I'd hope not. Either, so. I'd hope because they've got six foot six Jake Cooper. And I mean, um, the other two centre-backs are, I think, six foot and six foot one. Um, I think it's Alex Pierce and Hutchinson, I think it is. But, um, you know, they're, they're not as, as tall as, as Jake Cooper, obviously, but they are a physical side. I think you will be playing into their hands if you do go long. So I think use the pace. It's it's an easy argument to say, right, they've got tall players use pace against them, but we saw the look that it gave us um, in the reverse fixture. So I think sort of similar, um, yeah. still get physical to them. I think the, the game that we played against them last season was very physical and they were trying to rile Jed up, I remember. Um, but I think, yeah, use the pace in behind is probably the, the best way to get out Millwall. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen either Britt come into the team or, or Fletcher, uh, someone who uses the body really well going forward. If they don't, we'll probably use Balassi. Uh, it, it would make sense for us to do that. Probably Balassi would be the shout if, you were, if you're not really keen on, on Fletcher and Britt because you can hold, you, you can not hold the ball up, but he'll give you that aerial presence and he'll play, you can play off him quite quickly and we hope they get behind off the back of it. So... I think that's where I'll probably be won. If I'm brutally honest, I can't see it being an entertaining game at all. I think it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a, a rough watch. But for for Borough, I think they can go there full of confidence. And if we can get the three points, then great. And it's that we start to believe again. So that comes nicely to the predictions. Uh, Tom, how are we feeling? Do we think we're going to get the three points to the den? Are we going to get beat, draw, game abandoned? Um, no, I, th- I think we'll win. It was it was three nil at the Riverside, right? It was. I'm remembering yeah. yes. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go that again. I'm going to go repeat performance. Mm. Three nil up the ticks. Um, <laughs> Dana. Um, I think we've been spoiled with goals recently, haven't we? So, I'm I'm going to say a repeat of the the game at the Den last season. I'm going to say two nil Borough. Two nil. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one. I'm going to two one the Borough. Um, I can see those. I can just see them scoring. I don't know why. Um, but yeah. All of us going wins, three wins on the spin. Um, that's it's it's the hope that kills you guys. We're getting sucked kills. back into this um, argument about the playoffs, aren't we? They just won't let it go. Oh yeah, when we win is. on Saturday and everyone else loses, three points <laughs> off. 
yeah <laughs> it really is honestly i've got I've, honestly i've got such the perfect meme to to put up uh, to send you after this because it's just we'll put it up we'll put it up on our channels afterwards because i'm just laughing at it already um but that's it guys thank you very much for joining me midweek um and chatting about stalking obviously last night as well but thank you to the listener as well really do appreciate listening to us um on ever whatever podcast apps you listen to us on um we did get a comment uh earlier this week on Apple Podcasts as well. And we've got over, I think we're just under 130 now um, reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I think that's absolutely amazing. We really do appreciate every single one of you is commenting, subscribing, giving us five-star rating, letting us know what you think of the podcast. We really think that's unbelievable. But the the comment, the comment is from Foreign Lords. Um, it's from Borahine. He says, living in Dubai, there's not many opportunities to stay in touch and with, what, with what's happening after the borough. So this podcast is great to keep up to date and the fact that it's recorded so close up to full time allows for an instant summary of the matches. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to special guests you've promised. And we have got one coming up very soon. So a bit, late, a bit later on, you know, we'll announce that in like a week or so. Um, but it's well it's well worth a listen and a subscription. So thank you very much for 18. Um, but guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, so Borough move close to the playoff once again with four games against Millwall, Bournemouth, Watford and Barnsley to play in the coming weeks. It's the hope that kills you. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was our match day chatter in a pod. <laughs>